Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Very special guest, Dr. Michael Patrick, journalist and professor. Let's get back to the conversation and pick up where we left off in the last episode. I heard a story years ago about Walt Disney, the great Walt Disney. And his quote was, uh, I use the whole plant for ideas. If the janitor has a good idea, I use it. And I thought, there, there you go. Yeah, there's a guy who's, who's willing to be open-minded to all that. And you uh, talking about Jesus. I mean, the Gospels are full of experiences from the lowest person, from uh, from lepers uh, running out to, to ask for healing, all the way to the highest high uh, king, the king of Israel and such. Excellent. You know, over your time... It, you look back over your career of decades from fledgling journalism all the way through until the point in which you segue to being a professor. What, what are some of your thoughts? I mean, when you're, I'm, I've been a film professor and still teach in my own way on invitation at seminars and such. What, what is the key to reaching young people? with uh, skills of communication and media. You, you teach that now in Lithuania. What, what are some of the skills? What are the, uh, the tips and tactics that, that help you do that? Well, the, the world these days, the Western world certainly, is in a, uh, a cr crisis that I, of deep division on every possible thought an idea and value you could imagine. Everybody has a sacred value. If you're not careful, you trip it. You have to learn, uh, uh, you know, theoretically, you're told to learn all of these uh, pronouns and and tread carefully with different groups. And uh, there's a the, the theory on it called mimetic tribes. But basically, it says we are very deeply uh, uh, in conflict between different tribes, I'm thinking of the United States, is basically is stalled in terms of leadership because of this these deep divisions. I have 61 countries in LC, and, at LCC represented in the classrooms. And I don't just mean the occasional uh, international student. And the whole classroom is, is full of diff people from different countries. They uh, they speak three to four languages. The values are, uh, you know, I've got every hair color in the world in that classroom. <laughs> and I've got cultural values differences from uh, what the, the, the common term of wo being woke or wokesters uh, to uh, 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 conservative Christians to uh, vegetarians and vegans. And, and I have people from countries that are in conflict with each other. You know, I have an Armenian and Azerbaijani. I'll have Russian. I'll have Ukrainian. Uh, I, the, a whole cross section of people who, who might not naturally get along until we really spend some time working through some things in class. But I find that uh, the uh, uh, thing that makes a difference when dealing with people of different values 
and this is just my experience I'm relating, it's not a, a secret handshake, it's that they know you love them. They, they whether they, I had a student come in my office and was wearing a glove and the glove, I wear, I wear certain gloves all the time, but a fingerless gloves, but they had a full glove on. And the reason was I noticed that underneath the glove, I could tell they had long fingernails and that they were uh, they were they were gay in uh, from what I could gather. And uh, as I got to know them and uh, but they were a little nervous about coming to talk to me, whether I would be offended by them or that somehow there would be a conflict based on their chosen values. Well, first of all, you know that that uh, young people at a certain age are trying on different things. And some have made some decisions about who they think they are at the moment. And uh, what you have to do, and this is what Jesus did multiple times, is that uh, examples, uh, but that you realize you have to you have to love people. And if you, they can tell if you love them or if you're faking it or if you're trying to play a, you're a con game of some kind to get them to agree with you about something, they have to know that you genuinely care about them. I was in a, I attended a, a church in New York when I lived in New York and uh, we had a, the, 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 the uh, preacher at the time, I won't get into all the details, but the preacher was going to, was heading into a series of passages in the New Testament that have all of what I call the is, itchy passages that uh, talk about women in the church and talk about lots of rules and regulations and and or passages in scripture that could really offend today's population of young people and do. And, uh, and, and they were heading into these passages. And I said, the area in New York I lived in was, is a very uh, left uh, and far left center politically. And I don't think you could find a, a Republican within, you know, a mile of where, where I lived. And, uh, you know, he'd take a few miles. And uh, and so you had a room full of people that uh, had come to the church for all kinds of reasons, but their value systems would be would be uh, in conflict, let's put it this way, with uh, mainstream evangelicals. And uh, uh, and so I thought, okay, and I sat in the back of the room and I'm kind of smugly thinking to myself, okay, guys, let me see how you navigate these passages with this crowd, this left crowd, uh, and get out of this and without twisting and, and turning the gospels like pretzels. How are you going to just, how are you going to deliver this message successfully uh, to this crowd, which was, you would think is antithetical to most of those passages? And uh, and they they and the, there was a woman preaching, and she got up, and I was like stunned. Uh, not only did she take those passages on directly and deliver them, uh, but she had there by the end of the service, there were people coming up for prayer with you know, and and uh, uh, a real ministry happened. A remarkable ministry happened that day. And uh, I thought to him, and it was as if Jesus leaned over to me and said, oh, so you thought my gospel was only going to work with conservatives or for people that are already part of the church. Uh, and, uh, and it was kind of a humbling moment because I realized 
the gospel wasn't based for one political orientation the god or, or or personal or social orientation the gospel was for everyone and i thought how did she do that how did she deliver that message the way she did and it became quite clear that as i kind of engaged this in prayer and reflection that that she, that what came across was not the preacher what came across was that was jesus coming through the message and through her and the same with another pastor who had the same kind of impact on the community, on a very diverse community. When they talk to you, when they see you, when they engage you, if what they sense is full acceptance and love and not, uh, not someone pulling a, a, a running a game, as it were, a rhetorical game, but they really sense you care about them and wherever they're at, and, and it, it, it has a gigantic impact. And that's when I find God gives you openings and moments to really connect with them more personally outside the classroom as well. So that's been kind of a unusual, and, and, and there's a lot more to that story, but let me just say that I've been on that journey for a while of being able to reach across cultures, connect with people that uh, that many would say, no, you can't really connect with that person because because you're a white male, uh, you know, older person, blah, 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 blah. I was able to connect with people. And that's been part of the ministry that I do. Right now, I'm working a lot with Ukrainians. Uh, but let's say you have to be able to love people. And it can't be this kind of like fake, uh, you know, uh, intellectual love. You have to genuinely, they have to feel like you care what happens to them when they walk out of the classroom. And when they get that sense, the gospel that's that is Jesus and uh and the, and the, he will work through you at that point well said great example and uh, i'm sure from how you spoke about that michael you're sitting in the back of this uh, room and your eyes begin to open and your heart begins to open to uh, your and your skepticism goes down and you're listening to words that someone speaking inspirationally but the holy spirit and jesus are in those words and that's all the difference in the world right there amen amen talking to dr michael patrick on our uh, six ways of sunday podcast i'm going to do a little switch here um there are so many leaders and pastors ministry leaders that have come out of COVID in the last few years and they are really i'm not going to say confused but searching for answers of how to communicate now in the world that we have through media. Kind of um, advice would you give them? What kind of words of wisdom that might help them? Well, I, I think part of uh, part of, of, of reaching other people is to have a sense of what your purpose is. If your purpose uh, is to uh, be a be a uh, be a light and an encouragement uh, that it, it, you have to kind of have a sense of what you're about. Why are you doing what you're doing? You have to have a sense of calling. If you're a professor and all you're really trying to do is relay information and and have time to write your your article to be published in a journal somewhere, the odds are you're going to you're going to miss the students that are sitting in front of you. You're going to miss all these people and not really connect with them. Uh, if you're there to minister, 
then you have time to really focus and shape a message that is helpful to people. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who were trapped in the in 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 the whole uh, COVID mess and uh, ended up. Uh, you know, drug abuse goes up. Uh, uh, all sorts of all sorts of abuse goes up across the way, and y- your job, I think, our job at the church at this point is to really be prepared for what's coming, which I think is going to be worse than anything we've experienced in COVID. And uh, uh, in fact, I'm uh, talking this Sunday to a group of people about what's next, what's coming next, and how does that affect a country like the United States. Uh, but I really sense that it has to be that you're re- you're talking, as you know, from radio. I, I would you know put a single picture up on my microphone and pretend in my own mind that I'm talking to that one person. And when if it, it radio, I think it's well, its greatest strength is intimate, and is to be uh, is the intimate nature of radio. And you're in someone's ear, and it has to be personal. Uh, if you're using radio. And I think radio has a great opportunity these days to reach people, podcasts and and in uh, other ways. So when I say radio, I include podcast in that. Uh, but it has to be based on reaching individuals, you know, th- that now just kind of the shouting mass kind of evangelism that we saw, uh, you know, a, a few decades ago, I used worked at a radio station and and I played a lot of tapes of a lot of uh, of uh, great preachers, but they were all trying to preach to a mass. Now I think the message has to be geared to individuals, but it may be delivered in a mass way of reaching people. Uh, the people are dying for for uh, for the truth. They want to hear the truth. You don't have to pull punches. You can speak the truth, but it has to be in a in a context where they know. You care about them. They don't have to reach some. They don't have to do a certain magic trick. They don't have to uh, do something to make you like them. Uh, everybody has expectations. They should know that you're loving them in a way that nobody has ever done because you're not expecting something from them, and uh, that's important uh, to the message. I think that you deliver to people today to reach them and. Uh, uh, the church has a, a, a unique role, and let me just summarize what I think the church's coming role is. This world is going to be hurting, and in the United States in particular, more than it ever has in decades. And uh, the church is going to get caught in uh, this in this crossfire, and you're, you're, I think there'll be a falling away because the requirement to really be a part of the solution and not part of the problem and not simply a roadside victim yourself is that you have to be well grounded in your day-to-day walk and relationship with God. You have to be ready to uh, to, to, to make the sacrifices and to do what you can to reach people and to encourage them. We have to be the safe house they can go to. And that means people, no matter what kind of background they have, no matter what cultural differences they had, uh, that we need to be able to be the place where it's safe for them to go and that someone is going to care about them. And that doesn't mean compromising the truth. What that means is they have to, when they look at us, they have to see a heart of love. 
And that's, and how do we get that? We can't gin that up ourselves. We are going to be overwhelmed ourselves, but that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, giving us that, uh, changing our hearts and enabling us to carry his word and to carry his ministry. Uh, I have a friend named, can I tell a story that'll spook you? Sure. Okay, this one will throw you a bit. I had a, uh, a friend, her name was Rosa. If you pass Rosa on the street, you'd say Rosa was probably a cleaning lady uh, at you know some hotel. Uh, Rosa uh, was Cuban, and she actually had run a very successful little restaurant in New York for years. But Ro she was in New York at the time, living in New York. And one day she uh, suddenly went blind and up and around doing things in the morning. Boom, suddenly she couldn't see anything. And she was able to uh, get her a roommate to the phone and call nine one one, and uh, and and so uh, they're, they're waiting for the ambulance. And finally, the on the way to the ambulance coming, Rose is saying to God in prayer. She was a prayer person, a very much an intercessor of the most unique caliber, and she was interceding like, "What do you? What's this all about? I've got things to be doing today, and I don't have time to be blind." What is the, uh, what's, what's going on? She was really quizzing God about it. She was on a very personal, first name basis with him. You understand what I mean. And, uh, uh, and he said, well, can I, I, uh, I need you to do something for me. And she goes, how can I do anything for you? I'm blind. And he said, this is her, her Spanish interpretation of the event. And she said, he, you're going to be in the ambulance. When they put you in the ambulance, take to the hospital, there's going to be a woman in there. And I want you to tell the woman that she needs to, she's fought, fallen away from me. She needs to return immediately to me. And this is, and, and, and not like tomorrow and not like, uh, in, you know, three weeks from now uh, where she gets this thing, you know, she needs to come to me right away and, and not turn from me anymore. And, uh, so Rosa got in and the message, I'm summarizing that message. And so Rosa gets in the ambulance and there, and she hears this uh, uh, by accent, she could tell uh, someone from the neighborhood, from the black neighborhood that she lived in and said, uh, uh, and, and worked around her. So she knew this was the person. So she delivered the message in exactly the way the Lord asked her to do so. And I'm not relaying that exactly here but to give her the message in love. And she did. And before, before they'd gone very far, uh, Rosa said she had a 300 pound black woman praying and, and, uh, and, and laying across her chest and praying with her. And uh, they had church in the back of that ambulance. When she got to the, the hospital and she got out of the uh, ambulance and they put her in a, in a room where a doctor came in, suddenly her eyesight completely returned. And Rosa thought, well, that's just another day in following the Lord. And she also went on to pray with the, with the doctor as well, and something else miraculously happened. But my point is, you've got to be ready. It's, we're about ready to see signs and, 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 and ways of ministering that we had never realized before. But our heart has to be ready. We have to be grounded in prayer and grounded in, in, the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us the, the confidence so that we're not overwhelmed. We don't become a victim of what's coming. We may suffer along with the suffering, 
but we will not be overwhelmed by it. And that's the power he wants the church to get prepared for. And that takes prayer and focus and setting of priorities. It won't be life as, as we've known it. Uh, it's going to be reaching out to a hurting world in very practical way. So there's my Rose's story. I could tell you even more astonishing ones, but it's watching a, uh, someone who was really grounded in prayer at work and changing lives. So, Great talk with Dr. Michael Patrick. Hope you join us again on the other side, and we'll listen then. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.